0: Well, this has been a good 40 days, I believe. We've been talking about reconciliation, and we have been looking at what, what the scripture has to say to us. We chose this topic because it's so very, very evident in our community and in our world that we are desperately in need of some help. Back in September, I was getting calls from people across the country who were watching the evening news and said, what is going on in Rochester? Are you guys okay? What is happening in our community? We have had very clear evidence of the brokenness and the separation and the division that's a part of our culture. All you have to do is turn on the news and see that is just rampant across our nation. And if you pay attention to the world news, you'll know that's not an American problem. It's a human problem. But God has addressed this problem for us in Jesus Christ. And so we've been looking at what his word has to say to us, to teach us. And so I want to do just a quick, review here of some of the scriptures we have looked at we've also participated in small groups where we focused on the book of Ephesians and we heard others explaining to us what it means to be reconciliation people we had an evening here with Xavier Hope who shared some of what reconciliation would look like to him and to others And today we're going to wrap this whole thing up, not finishing our reconciliation time, but our intentional study at this point of reconciliation. We're going to wrap this up by looking at the the book of Ephesians. We're gonna start very briefly in chapter four. So if you want to turn in your Bibles there, you can. And then we're going to go back and look at chapter one but first i want to just review some of the things some of the scriptures that we have read so in 2 corinthians we began with these words of paul god was reconciling the world to himself in christ not counting people's sins against them aren't you glad and he has committed to us the message Of reconciliation we are therefore we all therefore are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us we are the ministers of reconciliation or at least that's God's plan for us and this world needs some don't you think Then we looked at Ephesians chapter 2, where the scripture says, For Christ himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. We listened to the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount from the Gospel of Matthew where he said, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And we saw that what he meant was to fill them full, not just what's the minimum I got to do to get by with God, but instead, how do we fulfill the law, the will of God to bring about his grace and love and peace and healing in our world? In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus went on to say, you have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. This is where the saying, going the extra mile, came from. He continued, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Then we went to the book of Romans for the last two weeks, and we saw that it says in God's word, do not take revenge, my dear friends. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And then, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. That's where we've been a brief summary of where we have been and things we have learned. So we have seen that the kingdom of heaven removes division, heals brokenness. It brings wholeness. It brings unity because that's the way God is. We sing about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but are there three gods? No, there is not three gods. God is one. And he created humanity to be one, but we, in our rebellion against him, decided we would, and we have all done this, live for ourselves, and in our selfishness, we have brought destruction, brokenness, division into our world. Now, those words that we read can all be summarized, I think, in one verse. From the book of Ephesians. It's a verse that I was taught in Sunday school as a child. We had memory verses every week, and I remember it. It wasn't in a modern translation, it was in an older version. And here's what it sounded like there Be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another. Just as in Christ, God has forgiven you. Or in the modern translation, be kind. It's easy to understand, isn't it? Be kind. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Be just as generous in your mercy. Now, God forgave you not because you were a lovable, nice person. He forgave you because you'd been a jerk and caused evil and hurt people and were selfish And he decided to love you and do everything that was necessary for you and me to be reconciled to him. Now, we often go through life thinking we're pretty nice and what's the problem with the rest of the world? And God says, open your eyes, my dear child. You have not been nice but I choose to love you anyway. Now you be just as generous to those who are not nice, who are not lovable, who are destructive, who are in fact your enemies. So we've been through all of this and we've heard all of these words and we say, okay, very fine, I know what it says, but I live in the real world. i encounter mean people selfish people hateful people cruel people and if i if i follow all of these words about reconciliation that the new testament gives to us the word of god that represent the teaching of jesus to us if i do all of that we're gonna have major problems because people are gonna take advantage of me. That is not going to work. How am I supposed to, in the face of an enemy, where I am, to be quite honest about it, I'm not gonna let them know it, but quite honest about it, I'm a bit afraid of what's going to happen. How do I really treat them the way we've been talking about now for about six weeks. That's crazy, it will never work. No, it's not crazy. You will be surprised how often it actually changes the way people behave toward us. Not always, not always, but often, if we will put these words into practice, our enemy's attitude toward us will change, but not always. So how do we live as a minister of reconciliation, as a, someone who is not going around causing brokenness and division in our world the way we have in the past and the way everybody else is doing it? How do we really manage to do that in face of the kinds of people we face who may intimidate us or certainly make us angry and irritate us. We do it this way. We do it by remembering who we are in Christ. Last week we talked about how he says we're to prefer their desires over our own desires. Well, that seems pretty risky sometimes. So who are we in Christ? We have to tell ourselves the truth. What we are hearing are messages of danger, danger, risk, risk, they'll take advantage, they'll cause you harm. Instead, we need to tell ourselves, this is what God says about who I am and who is my provider. The scripture says, we are the beloved of the sovereign, most powerful being in the universe whose love for us endures forever, who is always faithful to us. He never abandons us, but instead he delights in us and lavishly pours out his love and provision up on us every day. Now a lot of days we don't notice it. That's just because we're not paying attention. We need to see this truth and not just the way things appear because often the way things appear and the way our mind interprets the way things appear, that is not the truth at all. So we're going to look back, I had told you we're going to do this, back at Ephesians chapter one, and we're going to see just a few, we can't do the whole thing, this whole chapter is quite amazing, what Paul says about this is who you are and who God is and what he has done in your life if you've been reconciled to him through Jesus. So we're going to begin reading at verse 3, where he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Just because he's got all this power and it's best for us to acknowledge it and praise him? No, 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 no. All of that's true. All of that's true. But the reason we do it is because of what he's done for us. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ, every one of them. He's blessed you and me with every one of them. If you don't think so, it's just because you're not able to perceive what's really going on yet. He goes on, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves, in Jesus Christ. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. So see the truth this morning instead of the appearances that have troubled you and which seem to just be blocking your view of anything else. Here are just a few of the things he has said. God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Some of the time we go around thinking about life as though there's just not going to be enough. Enough of whatever it is we're going to need. Enough energy, enough time, enough money, enough other kinds of resources. You have enough. You can be anxious. Sure, there are people who probably in every category of your life, there's probably somebody on the planet who has more of that than you've got but he's promised to be with us and to always provide for us. And God Almighty, who created the universe, has more than enough. So when he says, I'm your provider, you know you will never lack again. Oh, sometimes you won't see the abundance of his resources that he has available, Or sometimes, some days will seem very difficult and impossible, but that's just that day. Your life's a story and today is just one day. Today is not the end of the story, I don't think. I hope it's not. And we can get all discouraged by the way today looks And we can miss the fact that this is just one day in the big, long story of how God's at work in our lives. Today's not the end of the story. The second thing we can see here is, he says, he chose us before the creation of the world. That's how long he's loved you since before the creation of the world. He knew about you before the creation of the world because he was planning what he was going to do. And you were part of what he was going to do, part of what he was going to create and put here. And he knew you. And you know what? He also knew that you and I were going to rebel against him, that we were going to live at least a part of our lives as a selfish, destructive person, He knew that we were going to do things that made us very unlovable. And he chose you anyway. He decided that he did not want to exist without you. Some of us, when we hear that God loves us, it's just kind of this, oh yeah, he loves everybody. No, no, no. It's true he loves everybody, but he loves everybody individually. He loves you. More than any person has ever loved you and more than any other person ever will. And because of this great love, since he's been thinking of you since before he ever started to create anything, do you really think he's going to forget you? As you face whatever trouble it is you're facing, as you face whatever enemy you face, as you face these things he's asked us, the way he's asked us to live in the face of enemies and broken relationships and hurtful People? Do you think he is going to forget you or stop loving you or stop caring for you now after all of these millennia of knowing you and caring for you? Of course he is not. Then the third thing that we see in these verses he predestined us for adoption he decided, I will love him or her and make them a part of my family. Now, quite honestly, folks, I know you like yourself, but in your sin and separation from God, why would he want you, a destructive person, who brings chaos into the world, Why would he want you to be a part of his family? It's because he decided to love you when you weren't lovable. He picked you. You're not an accidental child. Mom and dad had a night of passion and oh my goodness, they got stuck with me. Now, I know a lot of people very intentionally have children, but surprises happen. Surprises happen. And I don't know whether you or I don't know whether I was a surprise. I never asked. Or whether you were planned for or not. But you understand, adopted children are chosen children. They're not surprises ever. Adopted children may come and live in the family before they're adopted, but, but when they're doing that, they're not really a child of the family. The family may treat them that way. The family may love them, but it's, it's still, it's a temporary thing. Nothing's finalized. And parents who decide to choose a child and adopt them They spend a lot of money and the process takes months and sometimes years. And why do they do that? Is it because that child is so perfect? No, it's because they have chosen to love the child. They have said, "It it is more important than money. It is more important than the upheaval adding this person to our life is going to bring. It is more important that they be a part of our family than anything. I choose this person. And once they are adopted, they are a part of the family. They become equal heirs with all the biological descendants of the family. There is no distinction at all. They're not introduced, well, this is my adopted child, and here are my real ones. They're all real. There is no distinction at all. They are all loved, treasured children, all of them together. And you're God's adopted child. He chose you. He loves you. He wants you in his family. He decided, in spite of your issues, to choose you anyway and to give you his love. He is unwilling to live without having made every effort possible for you to become his treasured child. So many of you have adoptions in your family. Some of you do not, but I've got some adoption pictures I want to share with you from my family. So this is from 1915, at Noah's Adoption Day. So all of us gathered at the, at the, uh, at the courthouse, down at the Hall of Justice, and, uh, and we had a big celebration. There were family who drove about eight or nine hours. It's so important. It wasn't just the folks who said, oh, well, I can, I can work that into my schedule t- today. It, people drove a long way to be here for this big celebration. So we gathered there. I got a lot more pictures. I'm not going to show them all to you. But this, so here is, here is Noah and his, his dad as they are leaving the hall of justice. When they walked in, Noah would call him dad, but they, he really wasn't. But there's dad and son walking out of the hall of justice. And of course, there was a big celebration here. We got lots of pictures. There was cake. There were two cakes. This is too big of a day to have only one cake. There was all kinds of food. There were all kinds of relatives and friends there. It was I don't know how many people were there, but it was more than the governor would let come in a house today. And there was more food than Thanksgiving dinner because this was a major day of celebration for all of us. Now, I have told Noah, there is nothing that you can ever do that will make me stop loving you. And when I told him that, he said, that's what my dad told me to. Now, every choice Noah makes has not thrilled my heart. Just as every choice you made did not thrill your parents' heart. But I don't care what he does. From now, throughout his life, I will never stop loving him. He is chosen. On purpose. Now why have I spent that much time on that? Because when you're facing something that's causing you apprehension, you need to know you are chosen on purpose by God. He's committed. He's not going to abandon you. And it's because of his love. It's because when circumstances seem to be overwhelming, when you say oh this reconciliation stuff that's too risky it's no it is not because you have god almighty as your father who is devoted to you who will care for you the truth is i am chosen lavishly loved the adopted child of god that he has taken He is the Lord, the high King of heaven, the sovereign Lord who will never abandon me. I know who I am. I don't listen to the voices of fear, the voices of scarcity, the voices of danger. So I can choose to prefer somebody else's desires over my own because I am not at risk. I can forgive because I have certainly been lavishly forgiven and forgiving is not going to impoverish me even a tiny little bit. I know who I am. Hurtful words cannot change that. I know who I am. Disrespect does not change that. I know who I am. The anger of others will not change that. I know who I am, and because of Jesus' resurrection, even death cannot change that. So let us trust him. Let us live in his kingdom. Let us abandon all this world's methods that cause division. And let us, trusting him, be the ministers of reconciliation in the midst of all of this brokenness, bringing the healing power of God the wholeness of the kingdom of heaven oh yeah we'll act a whole lot different from folks who aren't participating in that and we may appear to be a little strange but we are the people who are whole who are loved we are the children of almighty god Let us pray. We give thanks to you, Lord, for your amazing love. You chose us. We are so loved. I know you already knew that, but we forget. And whenever we think about it, whenever we slow down enough and become aware once again, it astonishes us. So thank you. We praise you, we are your children. So we say yes to you, yes to being reconciliation people, your ambassadors of hope to this broken world. So yes, in our own relationships where there is stress and division, we will be reconciliation people, we will, we will follow Jesus because of your love. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. We worship you. Amen.